How are y'all? Good. I, my name is Nathan, like John said, and I'm so glad to be with you this morning. I, uh, I work here on staff. I get to work with our middle school and high school students. Um, yep, some of them are right there. Uh, and it is, uh, I'm glad to be with you. I'm glad to be here this morning. Um, uh, as many of you know, we are in the season of Advent, if the, the poinsettias and the uh, candles didn't give it away. And today we are looking at the word joy. Um, and I'm glad to be talking about it, but it's also a little bit daunting. Joy is such a broad word. And, and as I've been talking to different people over the last couple of weeks, it's really interesting how many different responses you get when, when people are asked, what do you think about joy? Um, but I'm also glad to be talking about it because this season can be joyful, but I also understand that for a lot of us, it's not the most joyful season. Um, most of the people I've, I've talked to this week, when I talk about Christmas, um, the word busy comes up more than joy. Uh, you know, the word, um, I was thinking of the word obligation. I think that comes up a lot right now. Um, so joy is not the word that we always use to define the season, and yet here we are. It's the word of the day, as you know, as you think about it. And um, I think there's something to that. I think we have something to grasp. So I need to come out of the gate saying I'm not going to try and define joy for y'all today. I think we all experience joy in different ways. I just want to share with you a little bit about what God's been teaching me about joy. Um, what he has been kind of laying on my heart. So I'm just going to share with you that today. Pretty simple, um, and I hope it's helpful. I hope, like my real hope, and, and one talk's not going to do this, but I really hope we can be a more joyful kind of people. Like, that's a pretty big goal, but that's my goal, is that we'd walk away today a little bit more joyful. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll get started. Father, we thank you for this day, Lord. God, I, I understand that I don't even begin to understand <laughs> all that this means all that this season means, all that it meant for your son to come to this earth, Lord. But God, I'm just thankful that he did. And I pray, God, that today as we dive into your word, that God, you would open our hearts, that your spirit would just pour through us, God, and show us what it is you want us to see. I pray that, that it wouldn't be my words up here, God, but it'd be yours, that you would use me, um, and that you would change our hearts today to be joyful in you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, today we are going to be looking at a verse in Isaiah. It's in Isaiah 65. So if you have your Bible or your phone or whatever it is, it's also on the screen. They say that every week, and I start to open my Bible, and then it shows up on the screen. I'm like, well, that's easier. So anyway, Isaiah 65. And we're going to be looking at verses 17 through 25. See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard no more. Never again will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not live out his years. The one who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere child. The one who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them or plant and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people. My chosen ones will long enjoy the work of their hands. They will not labor in vain, nor will they bear children doomed to misfortune. For they will be a, blessed, a people blessed by the Lord." They and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will feed together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. 
and the dust will be the serpent's food. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. I, I loved, when I, just honesty moment, when I found out this was my verse, I was really excited. There's some really tough ones you get, but this one just sounds exciting, right? Like you read this and you're like, oh good, like things are going to get better. <laughs> the thing is though, I'm so glad um, that God doesn't leave us just with that. Because if God just left us with that, it would be kind of this thing he drops us off on earth and is like, good luck, I'll see you in like however long. I don't know, it'll be okay in the end. But in this min- meantime, just hope for that hope in the future that. And what I'm realizing more and more of is that God didn't leave us just with that. This is an amazing future vision of what God's desires are on this earth. It's an amazing future vision of what he's going to create and make happen on this earth. But I think he's already doing that, right? That he's already moving us along towards that direction. And in the meantime, he hasn't just dropped us off on earth and left us there, but that he wants to interact with us, that he wants us to encounter him, that he wants us to see little pieces of that heaven on earth right now. And for me, and what I want to share with you all today, is that for me, those moments, those interactions, those times I encounter God are where I experience the most joy. That it's in those little nuggets, those little moments where you're like, this is different, right? This isn't normal life. This is something special. It's in those moments that I experience the most joy, and they're always connected with an encounter to God. And so I want to share with you a story today about one of those encounters that I've had recently. Um, Many of you know that I got married three months ago. Hey, hey, I got the ring, so it throws me off. Caitlin uh, Richards now, she's right there. And uh, one of the really neat things, y'all, is that we met here at Covenant. I'd been working on staff here a couple years, and Caitlin actually grew up at Covenant, and she'd left for a while, and she came back, and we met here. And so it's kind of fun, because Covenant's a big part of our story. And so we get to, it's been fun to celebrate with y'all the last couple months. Um, And so uh, when we got engaged, we decided that we wanted to do um, a smaller ceremony. We decided we just wanted to invite our very closest family and friends, and uh, we ended up deciding to get married in Breckenridge, Colorado. And it was beautiful, and we um, rented this house with this deck in the backyard that overlooked this river, and uh, it was just, um, it was it was kind of like, if you can picture, I'll just show the picture of it if you want to pull up that picture. If you want to like picture the perfect situation, like in my mind, this is, this is it. You can kind of see the river in the back. Um, that's actually Jan and Harold Skaggs, they married us, which was a really neat thing. Um, but uh, it's like the most picturesque thing we could figure out, and uh, it, w- it was great. So we invited all our family and friends, and we, we spent um, the weekend just spending time with our, our people, and that was great. I, I think a lot of weddings are usually really rushed, and we kind of got to ease into it. And um, as the weekend went along, I kept thinking to myself, like, the weather is amazing. Like, this house is amazing. These, like, people are amazing. I, like, this is perfect. Like, this is going to be it. And Friday night, we got to hang out. We got married on a Sunday. So Friday night, we got to hang out with our people. And Saturday, we got to hang out with our people. But on Saturday, something started to happen. That even though I had, like, the perfect situation, and, and I was, I'm so in love with Caitlin. I'm so glad I got some hair in her. Um, and I was so excited about that. But an anxiety started to creep in into my heart. And it wasn't an anxiety that, that um, I was making the wrong decision. That wasn't it at all. I promise, wasn't it at all. <laughs> but I started to feel myself getting a little anxious. And what I got anxious about was this, this fear that I would be up at the altar on my wedding day, and I wouldn't be able to experience it. 
that I would be so distracted by the things around me that I would just kind of go through the motions but really not be in the moment. That's something I kind of struggle with from time to time, and so that was a fear. And actually, if you want to throw that picture up, there's one other thing I knew was going to happen that I thought was going to be really distracting. Oh, back. Rats. So... Caitlin's brother's on the top left, and he is holding a laptop where his sister is Skyping in from Scotland. And like, in my mind, that was more daunting to have a computer staring at you during your vows. And so like, I really did not think I was going to be able to be in the moment. And so um, Saturday afternoon, I took some time, and I went out to pray. And I walked just to the right of this deck, and I just kept walking along the river. And I found, uh, I found this like, really great spot that was just kind of the bend in the river. And I sat on a stump. And um, I just started praying. And I started praying, just thinking about all the things that led up to that moment. I was thanking God for, th- like, one, that we were able to pull this off, that we were finally in Colorado, Colorado after, after all the months of planning and thinking about it, and, and thankful for all the little steps that I saw that God had done to get us to that point. It was really fun to start to thank him for every little thing and see how long that story went on. And then I started praying about that fear, that, God, I, I want to be there. Like, I don't want this to be a quick thing. I don't want to, I want to not, at the end, think it went too fast. I want to be in it and really experience it. And as I started praying and, and continued to pray about what I thought I wanted, it started to creep up inside me that, that, well, those things were true. The thing that I really wanted, like when it really came down to it, is I wanted to feel like God was there that I wanted to feel like God was there. That it would have felt so strange to see all these really clear ways that he had been guiding me, but then to end up at the altar and not feel his presence. That, would have, that just seems so wrong to me in some ways. Like, that, that, that would be the worst thing. Like, to not experience God. And so that kind of changed my prayer, and I started praying, God, I want to experience you. I want to know that when we're standing up there, that it's me and you and Caitlin, and that we're doing this together, and that we're up there together. And it was this thing, like, it wasn't one of those prayers where I got to the end of it and was just rushed with, like, excitement and joy. And I was like, this is going to be great. Like, I kept being really worried about that. And every time I did, I'd, I'd repray it and be like, okay, God, like, I've prayed about this. I, I really hope you're going to be there. I really hope I'm going to be able to see you there. So we get up. And I, for me, it was the moment where um, there's a back door. I don't know how to point at this, but there's a back door at the other end of the aisle. And, and when Caitlin came through that door, it, I mean, it's indescribable. It was just the purest, purest kind of joy. Because she looked beautiful, and that was great. And we were in Colorado, and that was great. And there were a lot of people there that loved us, and that was great. But in that moment, I felt like I was encountering God. I felt like God was giving me a little piece of that verse we read. Like he was saying, this is what it's going to be like. And it continued. And so she walked down the aisle, and I hugged her parents and did that whole thing. We started saying our vows, and through the whole thing, I just felt like it was God there standing with us. It was just amazing. It was the purest kind of joy I can think of. Um, I wish that joy would have lasted. (laughs) <laughs> I wish I could say that our whole honeymoon and the whole week was like, oh man, just the whole time we felt like God was sitting with us. Like, I broke her parents' car on like the third day that they let us borrow, and I can guarantee in that moment, joy was not the thought going through my mind. I like new in-laws and I break their car? Like, this is terrible. Um, 
And so it didn't last, but it's something that I remember and I can hold on to. And as I look back at my life, it's been those encounters with God that I tend to remember the most. It's those moments where I can look back and recognize that there's so much joy, not because of the situation necessarily, but because it was a moment that I encountered God, that I experienced him. I think joy is one of those things um, that once we, we've experienced it, once we taste it, once we've encountered God, and I'm going to kind of use those interchangeably today. For me, encountering God is joy. For me, it's when I encounter God that I experience the most joy. But it's once we've tasted that, that that's what we want more of. And there's a C.S. Lewis quote. Um, a couple years ago, they actually found a letter that C.S. Lewis had written somebody. So this wasn't written down in, uh, in one of the books he wrote, but it's a letter they found in a secondhand book that somebody had bought, and so lucky guy for him. But um, this is what he says. And he's talking about joy right here. I love to picture him wearing like a little vest and like a little pipe or whatever. But, okay. It jumps under one's ribs and tickles down one's back and makes one forget meals and keeps one delightedly sleepless o' nights. It shocks one awake when the other one puts to sleep. My private table is one second of joy is worth 12 hours of pleasure. I think you really quite agree with me. I didn't type that wrong. It's written kind of strange. Um, <laughs> But the part I love is this part where, where he's basically saying there is no substitute for this kind of joy. He says, my private table is one second of joy is worth 12 hours of pleasure. That he recognizes that it's almost like there's this potency to it. That when we, we encounter God, like even if there's just one second of it, that is so much better than all the things that we could produce and try and figure out on our own. And that's how that moment felt to me when when Caitlin was coming down the aisle and in that, that marriage moment was just that this is better than anything I could have come up with. That this has nothing to do with Colorado. She's beautiful, but that has nothing to do with it. Like, this is because God is here. Later on, C.S. Lewis ended up writing um, a book about joy. He wrote, um, it was his memoir, and he wrote it about joy. And there's one more um, quote I want to share with you. Joy must be sharply distinguished, both from happiness and pleasure. Joy, in my sense, has indeed one characteristic and one only in common with them. The fact that anyone who has experienced it will want it again. I doubt whether anyone who has tasted it would ever, if both were in his power, exchange it for all the pleasures in the world. But then joy is never in our power, and pleasure often is. I get, like, that happiness and joy are differently. Like, on a knowledge base, like, if somebody tells me, like, happiness is this and joy is this, like, I get that. But there's something really interesting that happens to me, and maybe it happens to y'all, is that I still sometimes think that joy should only be present in happy moments. Because, honestly, like, when I was praying, I was like, surely God's going to show up on my wedding day, right? This is a happy moment, so surely God is going to be there. And it's this little thing that I tend to believe and that God's teaching me something about is that I struggle to believe that God is only going to give me joy in those moments where things are good, where things are all right, where things are just going well. But the thing that's so hard, and I know we've experienced this in there, is to believe that joy is possible in those really tough moments, right? In those moments where it's like, that's the last thing I'm going to find. Like once God makes everything better, that's when I'll find joy not in the moments in between. And I, I was hesitant to use the wedding story because of that, because I get that it's easy to look at a wedding story and be like, oh, of course that's joyful, right? It's happy. 
Like, things are perfect. Like, it looks awesome there. Like, it wasn't raining. Like, if it had been storming, how would you have felt then, right? So, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but this summer, I was reminded that, that joy is something that you find in all kinds of moments. It's something that God gives you in all kinds of moments. We um, took our students to our Fun in the Sun camp in South Padre Island for um, our high school students. And one of the really neat things about that camp is we were able to bring Aylin. And Aylin is the pastor's daughter at the church that we went and visited when uh, the student ministry and families went to Belize. And so in Belize, it's the Ebenezer Church, and the pastor's daughter's name Aylin, and she got to come with us to Fun in the Sun. Which I, I thought, thinking about it ahead of time, I, I recognized that this was going to be um, a different kind of thing, right? You're bringing somebody from, you know, poverty into a camp in the United States. Those are very interesting dichotomies. And so I knew it was going to be interesting. I knew that I was going to be challenged, but I had no idea how challenged I would be. Um, because Aylin arrived and, and camp started normally, but through the week I got to have some conversations with her. And when you hear her story, it's this, it's this thing where you're kind of looking around, you're sitting on the beach hearing the story, and you're like, you're hearing about how her family goes hungry sometimes. You're hearing about how all their cars are breaking down and they can't get them fixed. You're hearing about how the church is struggling because it's hard to show up for church when you don't have food at home or when you have to go work every single day to provide for your family. It was such an interesting moment, but the thing that stood out to me the most was that at one point, Aylin said, she said, I feel sorry for some of your students. I said, Aylin, why do, you, why do you feel sorry for some of our students? And she said, because they've never had to go hungry and experience God's provision. They've never had to go hungry and experience God's provision. And that hit me so strongly because this is coming from somebody who it seems as though if she had food, if her family could always count on food, that would be the moment that there was joy, right? That that would be just, it would be happiness and it would be joy and it would be this thing. But instead she's saying, no, like it's great when we have food. But the joy is when we get to see God provide for it. It's when we get to pray and we get to wait and we get to see it show up. And she had so many cool stories. She had, like, stories of just neighbors not knowing that they were out of food come by and drop off food. She had stories of, you know, they would be uh, walking down the street and find money all of a sudden, be able to go, like, I mean, just crazy stories where they got to see God's provision. And it was there that she found her joy. And she was sad for us because we don't get to experience that joy. I thought that was crazy. I thought that was crazy. Something God's teaching me about joy is that I cannot so that I cannot produce it. Right? Like I can surround myself with as many great things as I want, but it doesn't mean there's going to be joy there. That I can, um, I mean, it's so stupid, but one of the things that brings me joy, I like eating food, right? Like, so sometimes it's, you know, it's that bad day and you, you want joy. And so you go out and you, you like, I don't know why, but Chipotle is always my thing. So, you know, get Chipotle and you're like, I mean, it, it's so silly, the behaviors I have that make me think I'm going to find joy. But we all do that, I think. I think we all somehow do that. No matter what I surround myself with, it is not going to produce joy. I think joy is only from the Lord. And for me, the greatest joy is in those moments where I get to see him, where I get to have those little heaven 
on earth moments. And the times that I think that I can produce joy is like saying that I went and saw a sunset and gave myself credit for the sunset because I went to go see it, right? Like a sunrise, like go and see the sunrise and be like, oh man, the sunrise was amazing. Aren't I awesome for going to see the sunrise? Like it's there because I went to go see it. Rather than this reality that joy is not created by us, we get to experience it, but that doesn't mean we created it. That doesn't mean that we brought it about. I'm finding more and more that, that, that experiencing joy involves a lot of what happened when I was preparing for, for our wedding day. It's going before God and saying, God, I want to see you. I want to experience you. God, I want to know you're there. Because what that did that day, and I think what it does so many of the other days that I actually start my day that way, is I start to see him. That he's there. The sunrise happens, believe it or not, even if we don't go see it. There's things that are happening. There's God moments on earth. There's things he's doing in our midst that I think we miss and I miss if I don't start saying more and more, God, I want to see you. Help me to see you. Where are you? And having those moments. I think that's why Aylan's family experiences so much joy too. Isn't just because great things end up happening and they end up getting that meal or they end up finding that money, but because leading up to it are these moments of them saying, God, we trust you. We want to see you. Where are you in the midst of this? And then there's this culmination moment where that joy erupts in them because they were able to see this moment but recognize that trust came before it. I think joy can sometimes surprise us. I don't think it's always because we prepare for it. But I do think something happens when we prepare for joy. When we start setting our minds on this desire to see God and to see where he's at and to see what he's doing, I think we see it so much more. But certainly things get in the way for us. And some of these, uh, some of the, I thought about some things that get in the way for me. Um, they're, they're simple things, but they, they really do. If, if there's ever a way to, to rob joys, these are some of them. For me, it's bu- one of them's busyness. I know you hear that word a lot. I'm not trying to pick on busy people. I'm busy too. But I think about the ways that I, I busy myself um, without needing. Like, my, like, this isn't that busy of a time for us in some ways. So these our last day of programming. Like, the next couple of weeks are, like, not busy. But what I end up doing is I get in my car and instead of having silent moments, I put on a podcast. And when that podcast is over, I put on another podcast. Or when I'm home alone and I have like an opportunity, I could be still. I just like throw on another TV show and then another one after that. Or, you know, I have some dead time, so I think about who I could call. It's all good things. But I recognize that busyness sometimes can rob me of that joy because it makes me miss what's going on. I find something to do rather than looking around saying, God, what are you doing? Where are you at? Uh, the other one is cynicism. Um, I'm a pretty cynical guy, in all honesty. I really struggle to not just look for the worst in things or what may go wrong. It's real. <laughs> we joke about this a lot at my house because she is definitely, of the two of us, she is the joyful one. But um, I've heard that cynicism is a thief of joy. And I think that's so true because what cynicism does is instead of looking at joy and thinking like, no, God, where are you? And you're going to be there and you say you'll be there, so I'm going to trust that you'll be there. It's saying, well, something's wrong. I just got to figure out what it is. There's something wrong somewhere. And the last thing I thought of that can sometimes deter me or sometimes throw me off or, or sometimes get in the way of me encountering God is to think 
that he's trying to, to trick me or to give me a riddle to finding him. That he's trying to trick me or give me a riddle. That somehow encountering God is about fit, like getting the exact right little things in place and then we'll find him. Right? Like, so if we're reading our Bible for 10 minutes a day and we're praying for 15 minutes a day and five of those minutes were spent praying for other people and I was sure to volunteer between the months of October and December, like, I know that sounds silly, but there's some part of me that believes that sometimes. That I almost have to, like, trick God to get to Him. And that belief and letting that lie creep in will rob me of joy time and time and time again. It will rob me of that interaction and that encounter with him because I don't trust that he's going to be there because I don't really believe I've done everything to get there. What I'm encouraged by, and I want to encourage all of you by, is that when Jesus ascended into heaven and he left, he left with us his Holy Spirit. He said that my spirit will dwell in you. And one of the greatest gifts of that is that joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit. That we are promised the Spirit, and joy is a fruit of the Spirit, so therefore we are promised joy. That God wants us to have joy. That this is not all about getting through it and, and suffering all those things. Like this is about encountering God. Like that is one of the things we are promised. And that makes me so glad because then it's this moment where I can look at it and be like, I, I know that's going to be hard, but he's promised me his spirit, and in his spirit is joy, and so I can trust that in this moment there is joy to be found. I can trust that in this moment there is something he's doing, and at the right time he's going to show that to me. Advent is basically this moment where God collides with the earth, like the celebration of Jesus coming and us getting to like relive the encountering that those people must have had when Jesus was there, this person that they had waited for and prayed for, this Messiah that they had hoped for, and then it comes about, and the amount of joy that must have been in that moment, getting to see God with them. And over these next couple of weeks leading up till Christmas, I just, that's my hope for us is that we could prepare for that moment, that we could prepare for that encounter that we could have if our eyes are open to it. That encounter that I really believe God wants us to have, that he doesn't want us just to wait till the end, he doesn't want us to wait till heaven, but that he wants to encounter us here on earth. I think that's one of the reasons he sent Jesus. I want to show them who I am now. I don't want to wait. I want to show them who I am now. And so my challenge for us all is to look at just what would it look like over the next couple of weeks to start making that prayer like, God, I want to see you. I want to encounter you. God, you say the season's about joy. I want to get what that could mean. Even though, joy, even though Christmas can be really hard for some of us, some of us from broken families, some of us who um, have an anniversary of a death on Christmas, that amidst all of those things, there's still an encounter that God wants us to have wants to find joy in. Let me pray for us. God, um, I know the next couple of weeks mean so many different things to us. But Father, um, I believe for all of us, you have something. For those of us who have encountered you before, it's, I think, encountering you again. And for those of us who haven't encountered you for, for, before, for, for those of us who hear about an encounter with you and it's hard to believe, God, that yearning for that encounter, I think that may be something you want in the next couple weeks, that you want us to experience the joy that is in you. So, Father, I pray that you would help us do that. God, where are you? 
We want to see you. Help us to do that. Bring us that joy. Amen.